0: Welcome to the Israel Conversation by the Massah Leadership and Impact Center. We are informally debating issues that concern Zionists about life, culture, and politics in Israel. Hi, I'm Michael Unterberg, and welcome to this episode where we will be discussing the uh, effect of Jewish labor versus non-Jewish labor in Israel in the light of the current conflict. I am here with our two panelists for this discussion, panelist Liel, will you introduce yourself?
1: Sure. Hi, everyone. I'm Liel. How's it uh, going? Good. Everything is actually right now pretty good. We're living in a really bad situation, and I'm yeah. trying very hard to make the best out of it. Yeah, so for
0: the terrible world right now. Exactly. Yes, it's the exactly. only way
1: to keep going.
0: Alan, could you introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Alan. How's it going? And How you doing? It's <laughs> going well. I. I
2: find it's an accomplishment just to be able to get up out of bed in the morning and start the day because it's
0: tough times. Yeah, I'm kind of proud of those accomplishments. They're pretty good. Mm. Yeah, you know,
2: there was that went around on on, uh, on like, YouTube a while ago, whatever, social media about the, some general who gave some speech and some uh, commencement in uh, some college and said, one thing you have to commit yourself to every day is as soon as you get up, just make your bed. That's how I feel. Like if I make my bed. I get up and make my bed. I've accomplished something. Well, there's something for the to day. that.
0: Although mine is probably just putting on pants. Like that. That's I kind of I kind of <laughs> lowered the bar there a bit. I, I don't. I don't want to go there. <laughs> <laughs> but in today's conversation, what we're really going to be talking about is there, there's there's we, we all part of this podcast is to try to bring to the listeners to Masaf fellows the kind of conversations Israelis are having and I'll start with an anecdotal example that uh, in my granddaughter's nursery school one of the actually it's my granddaughter's favorite uh, nursery teacher what do you call a nursery school teacher I guess. I mean, in Hebrew, we just say it, but in English, I don't know. Yeah. But one of the- Nursery favorite school teacher. Is this lovely uh, <laughs> Arab woman who works in Jerusalem at the nursery school. And, uh, you know, in the first days after the war, there was this freezing of Arab labor. And so she didn't come to work. And then the question was, once they relaxed it, she's, you know, should, she, and in the parent group, WhatsApp group, they're discussing, should we let her come back to work? And this conversation is happening all over the country in all sorts of different ways, whether, no matter where you are in Israel, there are Arab laborers, Arab workers everywhere. And the debates going on between Israelis are, even if I trust that person, which I don't know if I should, but what does it mean if they have a relative and they accidentally put some information about identifying, you know, some information that could be useful. And and it really sort of, as we were talking as educate, Israel educators, it brought us back to a, a very old debate about whether Zionists, if you believe in the Jewish state being run by Jews, does that mean that Jews have to do all the work and all the labor? Or, or should we keep what, what design is identified as, as really a diaspora concept, which is that the Jews can be the educated professionals, the doctors, the lawyers, but the labor will bring in foreign workers to do. And to a certain extent, whatever the intentions were of the founders of the state, that's more or less what happens. The crops are picked by foreign workers and a lot of the building and construction, a lot of the heavy labor is done by foreign workers. And so the discussion for today is what was it ever a realistic goal, but also should we be going back to it? Is it realistic to go back to it today? So Lial, you're going to take the position that the, the Avodai Vri is the term Jewish Hebrew labor, Jewish labor. You're going to be pro. So can you please lay out why that is?
1: Yeah, sure. Okay. So, there, I have a couple of thoughts. Um, some of them are are just generally historic, and some of them are obviously very much to do with the seventh of October and some personal um, encounters that I've had over the last week. Mm-hmm. So, I think, in general, there's this idea, right? If we if we go back a hundred years, this this idea and concept of training and connecting the early. Jewish aliyot, the early Jewish pioneers who were coming here and moving to the land of Israel. Uh, The beginning of, you know, the seeds of Zionism, Zionism, we'll say, coming here and first and foremost, learning the language Learning the land, but when I say learning the land, I mean physically working the land. We have an example of the holiday of Shavuot, which today we celebrate very, very differently. But back then, it was celebrated as a harvest festival. It was something that people really came out to the fields and used their hands and their bodies to really be part of, you know, um, of the land itself. Um, which I think the most um, most Zionists, most uh, um, uh, pioneers of Zionism. Felt that that was a, a critical part of not just living in the land, but really being part of it and connecting to it on a physical in a physical way, um, not just on a philosophical way. And I think there's two elements of that, also agriculturally speaking. But then when you have a piece of land that you're working, um, that's yours that you have to take care of and invest in and be part of it, and it's part of your sort of daily practice. And 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 you know you're you're very in tune with the seasons, and you're very in tune with the you know we have the shemitah year, right? Um, so. We have that the, that element, but then we also have the security element, right? And so you can also make the argument—not even make the argument—it's really historically speaking, the whole idea and movements of having a a, a self defense system, right, which eventually became the IDF. So we have, you know, organizations like Bar which turned into Hashomer, which turned into H- Haganah, which Haganah turns into the IDF, right? Why are these organizations developed in the first place? They're developed because we have land and the land is ours. We have to protect it. And if no one's going to guard and protect that land, then we're not going to have the land and, and it's not, you know, it's not, not going to be, the, the idea is just kind of um, not going to work. So in order to have the land, we have to work. know how to work it. And then we also have to know how to guard it. Um, And so I think that those two elements are core fundamental parts of historical Zionism that today we only really read about. Um, I think Zionism in many ways uh, today, which I mean, it's all part of the same story, but it's sort of shifted in terms of what does Israel produce. So today, Israel produces high tech, amazing, inv- innovative inventions that also have to do with agriculture, but also have to do with medicine and also have to do with, you know, military and all of these amazing inventions. And sort of the, our Zionist, I guess we should say, pride um, in terms of what you know, Jewish work is or what Israeli work is, has shifted more towards Western goals as opposed to what, what it once was a hundred years ago, where it was really um, this sort of uh, fundamental, personal attachment to the land um, in, in a very like raw sense, I think I'll say. So this week, I ended up uh, volunteering a few times with a, pers- a person in, in the Galilee who owns several olive groves. And all of his workers are Palestinian and none of the Palestinians are currently being allowed in. From what I understand, I might be wrong about this, but at least in the Galilee, are not being allowed back into work right now and um, and may not ever be, by the way. And so what happens is the person I was working with, along with obviously many, many other farmers in the north, in the south, are really, really suffering because this is a very critical time for farming and there's no one to do the work um, because they're all obviously the for- other foreign workers that are not Palestinian. Um, escaped the country when the war started. So we have this issue where the people who are who do own land and do know how to work the land who are Jewish is very minimal. And then, the, so right now there's this huge calling for volunteers, right? Like any students who haven't started university yet, anyone who has free time, please come volunteer. Just, we need extra hands just to help save these lands because otherwise sort of everything that they've grown in the last, you know, over the last season has sort of gone to waste. Um, and so when I was there and, and volunteering, obviously this is like a personal anecdote, but it's also part of, the, I I, I was able to really see how number one, just how detached we are as, you know, modern Israelis to working the land with our hands like a lot of people who were volunteering which by the way it's an amazing uh, amazing thing to go out and do so if you're in israel you should definitely go and help the farmers they really really need it um but but i just you know we were talking about how these palestinian workers come in and they get these they're able to fill up these huge boxes of, of olives within a few hours and we were as a whole group of 20 30 people were able to fill up maybe half of the box maybe half the box and they can do two boxes in you know A few hours, just one person or maybe two people. And so when you realize how significant. That's why they're paid and you're volunteering. Exactly. It's good, good, good on them too, because I don't think we deserve to be paid at all. But when you realize just how much we aren't connected to what's happening in the land and we aren't, and we don't, we really don't have those skills, all of a sudden, to me, at least, my personal feeling was it, it, I became very vulnerable in the sense of, wait, so if I'm living in this land, um, but I don't know how to actually physically work it. Um, we obviously, uh, most of the time, know how to defend it, but that that element has also sort of um, become questionable, I guess, in the last five weeks, right? Because the whole idea was we know how to work the land, we know how to defend the land, the land is ours, because th- that really represents that you own it. Um, and so when I sort of... Re- you know saw that we really don't know how to work the land without these outsiders right whether that's palestinians whether that's uh, foreign workers from thailand coming in to help to help and do the work itself or whether that's actually being able to secure our borders and protect protect you know the citizens of israel within inside our borders right these are all very fundamental elements of classic zionism which goes into obviously a much bigger question of of is zionism is, is zionism like where, how do we feel about Zionism right now after, you know, as we're in six weeks into the war. Um, but that's a whole different podcast probably. So I just think that right now, especially given the fact that people are so shaken up from this, this, Terrible probably the worst thing that's happened in israel his, Israeli history so far, I think it's a huge opportunity to help Israelis because most Israelis anyways are shifting in terms of their politics and in terms of how they see and feel feel about israel so it's a huge opportunity to to to, to grab grab onto that and say, "Wait a minute, guys, if we're going back to our roots let's go back to our roots. Why are we here what How do we do this and i I personally think that one of those ways is to help people reconnect to the land on a in a physical way um which brings back this concept of avodah ivrit which is a 100 years ago this was the concept in the first and second waves of aliyah or specifically the second wave of aliyah but the first one also um you know hel- helped Jews learn how to learn how to farm and defend and um and also you know going back to what is going back to the question of what does it mean to defend our land which is i think is a, is a, is a, is a conversation that's happening now within the israeli society so these two fundamental things, I think, are are so cr- critical to Zionism, and I think they're being they should be brought back. And I think within that conversation should be should be a discussion around Jewish labor and how critical it is that we know how to work our land because it's ours.
0: Okay, Alan, you're and you're taking the position that it isn't realistic or it was never realistic. What is what is your position exactly? I'm
2: taking the position that um, it's a bad idea in general because it doesn't it doesn't work in the modern world. It was it was uh I it, Liel's very passionate about it and she's going to start the movement I'm not going to start a movement against her <laughs> but I will give her some things to think about for her for her movement uh about if, if the re- uh, realistically speaking so yes it was I there's no doubt one can uh one can see in Zionist writers in the early certainly in the early periods and in Zionist thought and in pe- even in people's actions there was this kind of Zionist ideal of the farmer um, the 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 Jewish farmer worker Defender you know that develops into the soldier but the truth is so first of all that a very small percentage of Jews coming back to Israel in the Zionist waves starting at the end of the 19th century ended up becoming uh, becoming farmers and agriculture right that yes there was that movement but it's a very small percentage of the of the of the people coming here and of the Zionists coming here and uh, just, for for example, if we look at the year 1909, which is a critical year for many different institutions, so you, you have the founding of of the first uh, communal settlement of of at Futsa wasn't yet it's, it's pre kibbutz right? It's a small but 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 the, the grows into the kibbutz idea of that ideal. But at the same year you have the founding of Tel Aviv, right? Uh, and 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 the, and the urban Jew. So I think what we have here is a clash of ideals, like sort of this sort of ideal and motivate ideals and, and inspiring people with modern society, modern e- economics, and modern economy. And I think that that's that's where you find a sort of I, I don't want, I don't know if it's a misconnect, but it's a certainly, it's certainly a a a challenge, uh, a challenge to that idea. So that you always only had a small percentage of people involved in the aggregarian and working the, the land. And it was never all Jews. And even if they pushed this idea, we needed Abu read because of the, the growing tensions with the local Arab populations. Um, and they did. They tried to. Still, they always relied on Arab labor. It was always relied on Arab labor. And this is where maybe, maybe we can say that it was an early mistake in Zionism was, in fact, not to embrace that Arab labor and make it part of a a a more of a, a systematic thing where they would be sharing in it as opposed to trying to um to separate from it. Um it, a, 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 and in fact today as Mike opened the thing like, well her his 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 granddaughter's favorite Ganenet, you know, uh is not Jewish and why shouldn't she have the right to, to work? We I've come upon this this um this problem the first time I became aware of it was in the second intifada. When people got very scared, the bus drive, a lot of the bus drivers that were driving my kids to school, my kids were little at the time, to school were, were Arabs, um, people doing different work that that Jews don't want to, literally don't want to do. Because we live in a modern economy, people want to, and we saw that with the, the switching of people leaving agriculture, leaving Moshavim, um, and leaving Kibbutzim, people want to live in a, in a modern world. Modern world means that you don't, most people don't want to be doing hard labor. You want service jobs, you want professional jobs, you want, you know, easy government, bureaucratic jobs, whatever it is, you don't want to be tied to agricultural work, which is really, really tough, as as you yourself, you know, uh, Liel saw um in, in volunteering. And so it, it's not realistic for our modern economy. And I would and I think that embracing more the the certainly the Arab populations of the of land and giving them fair work. At, at fair uh, 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 prices, and you know, and protection, and all those things, and embracing it as part of the economy it, it is the way to go, and not separate, and not and not separating it out because of that. And I, I understand the vulnerability we feel often in these times of war and conflict, but I think that that has serious repercussions for Israeli society when we separate it in in between Arab and Jew, and that we have to be very careful of that. Especially now when in in fact the overwhelming majority of Arabs have come out in total, Arab, Arab Israelis I'm talking about in, in surveys for in support of Israel during this time against Hamas. The the, the most recent like survey they said on the news is 70 percent of 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 Arabs are and Israeli Arabs are are supporting Israel in what's going on in the Hamas thing. We see they themselves have set up a tremendous volunteering. They were also you know, Arab community, our Arabs were, were assaulted on that day. There are Arab, those who are captives. And so I think uh, separating that idea of Abu Dhabi, maybe we could call it Abu Dhabi Israelite today. Maybe that's something that we would be a change from back in those days that we would embrace an idea of Abu Dhabi Israelite. But that also is not so economically and in a modern society is also problematic because you see it in America you see it in every place in Europe who who does the 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 cheap labor that's exactly what we're talking about here really we're talking about cheap labor let's be honest for the most part who does the cheap labor it's usually people who are immigrant unskilled labor thank you unskilled labor is usually people with less less education often immigrants or migrants and you know so we we have that issue with immigrants and migrants but what we see Israeli arabs are in math. I don't know the numbers on hand, but they're in masses. We just see them in universities, in professional jobs. You go into any pharmacy in Israel, and there's a good chance that, if not a majority of the pharmacists are are, are Arabs, you know, there's a good, good amount. So I, I think that, um, and, and so even our Arab Israelis don't want to. So then we go to this unskilled labor for the Palestinians, and that. That is unfortunately we have to look at it as part of the conflict it is an economic conflict. I think has it has an aspect of that here, and and that that I think is, is a problem. And so we we do have to solve that, but I don't think solving that is by saying okay, let's not let's not use Arab workers for uh, uh, unskilled workers, certainly Palestinians. Mm-hmm. Again, I'm, I'm defining that between Palestinians and Arab Israelis. Again, I, it's not always true. I know that those are always politically correct, but just for our conversation. You know that's something that uh you know with that that is a way for Palestinians to actually have good jobs in Israel, right? Palestinians mostly, not always in the construction business. but Palestinians who work for bus companies who work at Rami Levy, who do a lot of unskilled worker have jobs with benefits at social security, uh, all these things that they don't necessarily get in in other places or 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 hopefully work in agriculture. It doesn't always happen in agriculture, but hopefully, a lot of them are organized, and, and in fact, the, the government even today, right, is there's been all these talks allowing Palestinians from the from the territories into Israel to work in those jobs because we we need them, especially since the foreign workers have left. The, the whole foreign worker is another discussion, but I think the foreign workers is also an important aspect because of this our funny geographic place, and we don't have those migrant or immigrant workers from surrounding com- countries or other places that other. That, that you would find in America or or in Europe, so I just don't. I it just doesn't seem like a reali- realistic goal to me on either a societal, economic level, or in a you know even even in a values way. Again, maybe if you adapted it to Avoda uh, Israeli, but I still I, I'm a big proponent of, uh, of Palestinians who are not Israeli um, getting good, decent jobs in Israel. I think that that's a that's a way forward that 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 is more helpful than harmful.
0: So, Alan, you're making two arguments. You're making a a, a a practical argument that just modern economics don't sustain it, but you're also making a strategic slash values argument that you do well when you do good, and by empowering more neighbors to do better economically, it brings. Liel, what do you think about those two arguments?
1: Okay, so I, I, at the moment, it's very easy for me to argue the the second point, which is we let. Thousands of uh, Palestinians from Gaza or Gazans into the country, um, and that did not go so well. Um, what we got was was a, a horrendous attack on Israeli civilians, as well as 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 them knowing and having access to so much intel that they got actually through these. Foreign Gazan workers. Um, granted, I'm not here to say that every Palestinian who's coming into work in Israel is is, is planning a, a yeah. major attack to right. cross the border and, and butcher people. Um, and and I think that's something that you know that's something where where Israel is is like I mean prioritizing really your argument, prioritizing the economic economical argument over the security, and also more than the security, I think. I think also over maybe our values in some way, because I think there's this really, uh, phenomenal, um, I think he, I don't know if he's a journalist, but he's been on the news a lot. His name's Eliyahu something. He's from Iran, um, and he's somebody who a lot many people consult. Uh, mili- I think militarily, even. Um, and he has a very, very interesting viewpoint of how he kind of sees the world, and and he talks to Israelis really tachlis, like really in a way that's like right and right, you know, gives you the truth, right, you know, as it is, and he doesn't care about how you feel about it. Um, and what he's been saying recently is is really poignant. He's been saying, "You guys, you guys, as in Israel, and and and." sort of our 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 western uh, values as israelis he says you are are flawed you're living in a flawed way you guys think that you can have a culture of sushi when you're living in the middle east where in the middle east they they eat hummus like that's has been his famous line that's been going around a lot recently and i think if we take this point and we really internalize it that's that's what i'm trying to say i'm trying to say is that we're we're, we're chasing high tech and we're chasing um this this these western you know, so so hard to be trying so hard to be part of the Western world in the various ways that we can be. And that's only natural to us because I think if you look back at Jewish history, it's something that we've always tried to do, you know we want to be the top be the best professors or the best doctors, the best lawyers or all of that, um, which we should obviously strive to be, but along the way, I think he's making a good point where we missed something. And I think that missing of something put us in this, in this state of sort of complacency, which allowed the October 7th attack to happen, which I think why, that's why I think it's all connected because the sort of complacency of chasing this big, these big dreams and putting economical, uh, 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 Importance over, um, you know, our security and thinking about, you know, our our boundaries and our borders and and making sure, you know, people inside Israel are safe. Um, so so along the way, we sort of lost these like fa- fa- fundamental uh, foundations that we we have had from the origins origins of Zionism. So again, I I am totally willing to compromise with you. I think the Suleit is a great compromise. I love it, and I also think that um, and I also think that. That going back to this this idea of right now we have an opportunity a huge opportunity right students who haven't started university yet because universities aren't are just keep pushing off their their opening date um, they're being offered to be paid money to go out into agriculture and work and also this is not like a crazy thing you know a lot those of people who aren't those who are in Malawi those who are in Malawi right. Um, <laughs> And, and you know, this is not a crazy thing. There's a lot of people who post-Army, pre-Army. One of the things that, you know, Israel offers to people, just young people to just go out and make money is to actually learn how to do agricultural work. I know several people who who have done this in their lives. And I think there's, there's something about going back to this core uh, skill, right? Which also ties down our roots a little bit more than chasing, you know, sitting in your Tel Aviv high rise eh, eh, and working in high tech and all of your coworkers are, you know, from all over the world. Not to say that that's bad. It's just going back to this idea of of, 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 a, of a, <laughs> a culture of sushi in the Middle East, right? Where in the Middle East, they, you know, eat hummus. Um, and so kind of re- reminding ourselves kind of where we are and what that means. Um, and as Jewish people, back in our homeland, we should be be attached to the land,
0: Alan. I, I don't know that you addressed really uh, the security concerns in your in your presentation. You sort of uh, yeah, alighted that that part. Well, how would you address that aspect of it? So look,
2: it's a, it's a tough question, especially now in the midst of a war. See, it's the thirty seventh day of war, um, when we're all feeling vulnerable, and th- and you know this question of you know the role of. I would like to think that all of us, at least here, agree Arab Israelis should be embraced as part of our, you know, as mm-hmm. a part yeah. of our society. And uh, but certainly the question in terms of those who um, you know, come in from areas of Gaza or the or the territories, West Bank, look that's a it's a t- it's a tough question. I can't, you know, it, what it, what uh, my response in a time of war is maybe going to sound crazy. But I I would say to that, we don't have any other choice. There, there is no the separation, e- even if we if there manages to be a two-state solution miraculously in the next decade, let's say, whatever, right? the miracles of miracles, that would happen, we'd have a two-state solution. The, I, I don't see a way where we can disengage our two economies. Right there's no real different arrangement between the economies. They they rely on each other. The fact that, like, look at the look what's going on in the war. One of the big uh, topics on the war is the fact that we're still getting pressure by um, and doing of uh, providing ser- services to the Palestinians in Gaza. Right, electricity, water. Right, uh, we're not going ga- uh, gas yet, but you know that's on the that's all on, well, that's one of the the debating things. So. We are so integrated um, and our economies are so linked, right? One of the big problems now is also right, vegetables. What vegetables are coming? We have to import them from other countries. Can we from Turkey or not? Because they're supporting come out this and that. But part of that is because some of our vegetables come from Gaza and 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 the West Bank and those places in addition to the workers. So I think that our economies are linked. And I think to think that we are going to be able to separate the economies and be able to not have Palestinian. Workers in in Israel is just not realistic. um It's just not realistic. I, I don't know. I, I think that that's something that 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 our security people and the people who make those you know decisions. I'm not a security person. I'm just the history teacher. But are going to have? I, I need to address how how that that can can work. And I you know my argument, I guess, would be that is that that's why in the end of the day the military solution which is security, the next to the we're talking about, is only one facet of this issue. And there is a bigger political and state decisions and, and things that need to be made. And I would argue that providing a Palestinian, not providing, I don't think it's our job to provide them, but trying to encourage uh, a stable, productive Palestinian economy is part of, a part of so not, in, not in place of security, but it's part of the solution to it. Uh, and so that's I, that's how I would answer that. Yes, today it's hard maybe to think about that, but we're in the midst of very, very short term. But in long term, it, it, it's still, I think it's part of the solution, not part of the problem.
0: Well, I think you both made very strong cases. I think... Uh... And uh, I think you almost overlapped a little bit. There's a Venn diagram, I think, at the end of the day with your Israeli labor as opposed to Jewish versus Arab labor, uh, without even getting into the Thailandi labor or any of those complications. But, uh, look, there's no question it's complicated. And I think that I, again, like I said at the beginning, I do think that Israelis are actively debating these issues as we speak. Uh, did you guys have any last? Closing statements you wanted to make, or closing points that you you feel you didn't get to.
1: I just want to say that I think, um, aside from all the the logistical details which uh, Alan mentioned, which I think are obviously are critical and need to be discussed and and put into a realistic framework. Um, I just think that right now in this moment, there's a huge cultural opportunity, a huge opportunity to in in uh, invest in a new cultural idea that brings us a little bit more closer to to our roots, and I think that's part of it.
2: Uh, I guess I'll say that this is to, to end with a, maybe a positive and maybe a little bit of a support of even Liel is that one of the surprises in Israeli you know media or what have you going is like, wow, look at the TikTok generation is like doing something that you only thought of the generation of the founders of the state, right? Running off to the army, fighting, willing to put the, themselves at risk. Volunteerism has become... Just the word of the day, everybody's involved somehow in doing something like it, it, it seems like an overnight, a certain value of values of of Israeli societies come. And as I said before, Arabs are part of this, the, this idea that of that. And I think that that's maybe the core of what Liel is trying to get at um, is this idea of we have to go back to real core values of who we are. Part of that is connected to the land and being part of it and not 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 always thinking about running off to Switzerland to go skiing, but you know, some bad things uh, back closer to home. Um, and that I, I certainly, I certainly support on that, on that level. I think that that is certainly true.
0: We agree that the pioneering spirit of hands-on building that we all agree. Right? Exactly. I do think that, is, said. that is positive. So uh, thank you, Liel. Thank you, Alan. Thank you thank listeners you. for joining us. Bye. Bye
1: been listening to the Israel Conversation by the Massah Leadership and Impact Center. In everything we do, we hope to connect our fellows to Israel as home, that our Massah fellows will feel at home in Israel and understand more about Israel in all of its diversity. We connect our fellows to Jewish peoplehood, to feel an affinity for Judaism and a sense of belonging to the Jewish people and the connection is active and meaningful in their lives. And finally, personal development. And in the case of this
2: podcast, our goal is that you'll be able to use the tools and learning for
1: reflection and future development in conversations about Israel and Judaism. If this episode is meaningful to you, please subscribe and share with somebody that you think it will be meaningful
2: to.